The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Sometimes what's going on just has the capacity to deflate us, doesn't it? We lose our inspiration to just keep on keeping on. Well, today we're going to be talking to Dr. Jonathan Ellerby, coming back to the show for a second time today to teach us how to be inspired or re-inspired. This is not your crack of dawn, rise and shine speech, nor is it your rah-rah motivational sales pitch. No, this is real inspiration, inspiration that comes from inside out. As he describes it, it is a no-pill prescription to end high stress, low energy, and bad habits. Jonathan Ellerby has dedicated more than 20 years of his life to the personal, professional, and academic exploration of spirituality, healing, and consciousness. Throughout his journey, he has traveled the world to meet and study with spiritual teachers from more than 40 cultural traditions. Jonathan has a doctoral degree in comparative religion and has worked as a healer, teacher, and consultant for individuals and groups in settings as diverse as hospitals, major corporations, prisons, community groups, conferences, and some of the world's leading holistic health resorts. Currently, he's the spiritual program director for the acclaimed Canyon Ranch Health Resort in Tucson, Arizona. Jonathan's list of books includes his latest Inspiration Deficit Disorder, the subject of today's interview, and the subject of a previous Authentic Living interview, Return to the Sacred, along with several others. Welcome, Jonathan, to the show. I'm so glad to get to talk with you again. Oh, it's my pleasure to be back, and thank you for the very kind introduction. Oh, well, it's well-deserved. I really admire your work, and I'm real glad that you're going to get to uh, talk with our listeners again today because I think what you have to say is so very important because you lead us back to the internal, and I just can't emphasize enough how important I think that is. So in your book, uh, Inspiration Deficit Disorder, you speak of the map of the inner landscape, which informs us of both who we are, and of who we are not. Yeah. And I just think this is so important as the beginning of any true understanding of inspiration. So tell us what you mean by this map. Um, <clears throat> well, it's a, it's a great uh, starting point and certainly a big topic, so I'm going to do my best to, to synthesize this quickly for folks. Okay. Um, you know, I think what, what's helpful for people to understand is that who we think we are is something that evolves. And it sounds kind of metaphysical or a little overly complicated, this idea that we are not who we think we are. But I'm talking about something um, much more immediate in terms of the roles we take on, the assumptions we have about our limits, um, and, and even just some of the expectations we have about our life. And understanding who we, you know, quote, really are versus who we've become 
through the experiences of life is absolutely critical to inspiration. It's critical to health. It's critical um, to spiritual fulfillment because in that misunderstanding or in that misidentification, we lose touch with the essence of who we are. And that is so um, critical to some of the most simple and practical things. I think a lot of people will write off, you know, um, the notion of finding your true self and knowing who you really are as, as something that's a luxury for down the road, as something that maybe it's for those more metaphysical listeners, you know. But the reality is what we're finding in, in medical research, in psychology research, is that congruence or authenticity, knowing uh, your natural character, your natural preferences, and honoring those elements are actually essential to activating the vital forces of your body and uh, moving beyond the reactive emotional patterns of the past. So if you like, I can just sort of quickly go through the layers that, that basically summarize what I've just talked about. You know, we start off with a natural kind of connection, and I like people to picture a circle, a sphere. Imagine like a ball of energy or light that is our connection to our origin. But of course, we come out of this sacred source, whatever you call it, God or spirit, and around that sphere, I like people to now imagine another layer. And this is now what you come in with. It's your essence. So you picture children, naturally vital, naturally vibrant, naturally connected to their talents and passions. No one needs to tell a child how to play. But then something gets in the way, and it's a complicated thing uh, most people call life, <laughs> and that includes uh, disappointments and challenges, experiences in our family and so on. So we get another layer. So you're imagining another layer encasing the first two. And this layer came, contains the energy of our emotional stuckness, the energy of hurt and pain and disconnect. So I call that the wall of wounding. And from that, from that place of uh, emotional pain or, or spiritual disconnect, we all naturally have moved to find remedies, solutions to the disconnect, and we have done it typically unconsciously by accepting stories about who we should be, about what success is, about what beauty is, about what aging is, and that creates that final layer that I want people to picture is now encasing all of it, and I call that layer the persona. It's the outermost layer. It's the face we feel safest showing the world. It's the face that reflects who we think we're supposed to be. And, of course, this is where it all breaks down because as long as that outermost layer, the face you show the world, the way you communicate, the way you make decisions, doesn't reflect your core essence, is the degree to which you will experience stress, vulnerability to illness, and uh, a, a kind of consistent patterns of imbalance. Right. So that that what you've described there in those layers is 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 a, a sort of the way I look at it, I call it the mask and custom. I think you call it that in your book as well, that it's all about trying to make sure that that uh we can sort of pierce those layers, if you will. That that's not the right word I want to use, but it is a process of going through those various layers, is it not? Well, it is, and you know, one of the complicated things about the human mind is, you know, we like images and we like concepts, but we always have to remember that they're somewhat limited. So, yes, on one hand, I think it's important 
that people eventually, if they want wellness, if they want longevity, if they want spiritual connection, that eventually they explore all those layers, meaning the stories, roles, and expectations layer, the emotional layer of hurts and wounds and history, the essence layer of passion and, and natural talent and who we you know, really are, as well as that spiritual, that deeper spiritual layer um, that transcends all of this. Now, having identified these all as separate, I actually think that one of the mistakes a lot of people make on this journey is they start labeling one layer as better or worse than the other, as if if you have a persona or an outer face that's bad or wrong, if you're connected with your source more than your essence, somehow you're more evolved. I'd say in the end, we want to find a way to honor all the layers because we came here to be human. So it's not about making any aspect of who we are bad and another aspect good. So that gets to this other side of what you're saying. It's not just knowing the layers, but it's creating what I call, instead of piercing, a a permeability. So that in any moment of my life, I can reflect, wow, okay, uh, some woundedness is coming up. Or, oh, hey, I have an important decision to make. Can I make it from my essence, or am I going to make it uh, from a place that satisfies others? Right. Thank you so much for saying that. I think that's so important, and I do, I do think that sort of validates the idea that we are whole people instead of the idea that we're split off into segments that we need to get parts of which we need to get rid of and um, other parts we need to keep, some parts we need to love, and other parts we need to just get rid of. And Yeah, I think that, that, that puts us back into the conflict, and, and you've said that so well, that uh, permeability is what we're talking about between the various aspects of who we are. Well, and I think, you know, um, the notion of the shadow that Carl Jung, you know, introduced to the world is a really important uh, piece to, to talk about right now because, you know, a lot of people, when they think about shadow or shadow work, again, they're thinking about the dark places in our life, so the bad things we think about, the negative aspects of our character, but that wasn't really what he meant. He really talked about the unowned or the unintegrated aspects of the self. So in your shadow could be your brilliance. It could be your talent. It could be uh, your greatest joys. It's not just the things um, that you label negative. Sadly, in our culture, we can be ashamed of the best qualities we carry as much as the the worst qualities. And, of course, the big irony is the, the, the more we are able to love and forgive the aspects of ourself that we otherwise would want to get rid of, um, the faster they dissolve. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's like just by letting them be, uh, they sort of magically um, start to transform. Absolutely, absolutely. And so we, we find that we are sort of being able to permeate those boundaries without having to be in an inner conflict. And I think we're ready to take a break about right now, so let's do that. Um, We're talking today with Jonathan Ellerby about inspiration deficit disorder, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. online community for positive change. 7th Wave Network. 
This holiday season, share the joy of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where consciousness research is helping people lead healthier, happier, and more productive lives. Visit www.noetic.org to discover how to navigate a world transforming. IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, provides audio, video, research, articles, and blogs with leading thinkers to help you on your journey. Go to noetic.org. That's N-O-E-T-I-C.org today. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're talking today with Jonathan Ellerby on the Authentic Living Show. You know, this show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, a new sponsor to us now, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And as I said, we're talking today to Jonathan Ellaby about his latest book, uh, not attention, excuse me, (laughs) Inspiration Deficit Disorder. And we've been talking, sort of describing in the first segment, segment, the various um, aspects of the map of the inner landscape that inform us both of who we are and who we're not, and sort of talking about how that works. What I want to know now, Jonathan, is from a more practical perspective, how would we recognize the essential self? Oh, you know, it's such an important question because I think that what I often hear from people is, and even the most, you know, spiritual or self, um, you know, committed to personal growth kinds of people, is that 
they've lost touch and they 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 think that they've forgotten you know who they are and this sort of thing and what i'd say is that they it's it's not that their true self is gone it's not that it's missing and it's not that it's available it's just that they've really forgot how to pay attention so your question is is essential i think there's four things we can pay attention to that that help people to um recapture that that true self or or follow it the first is pay attention to whenever you feel energy now when i say energy i mean specifically when you feel energized so that means when you feel enthusiastic when you feel motivated just take note um you know for example i work at a health resort and we have all kinds of different classes and workshops and lectures that are always going on well one person could uh sit with a friend and look through the catalog just as you know two people could go to a bookstore or uh, look at the movie section of the newspaper and one's going to jump out of the page at one person and not at the other so what is caught your interest what excites you and ignites you and then you have to take action and give it some time give it some energy back and start to explore it so notice uh where you feel energy energized enthusiasm another thing to pay attention to is what experiences people or places give you a feeling or produce a feeling of connection often when we are doing something from the essence we say we feel more connected whether it's to ourselves or a higher power or other people so that's an important piece the third one that you can look out for is intuition now it doesn't sound very different than energy but intuition is more of that gut feeling or it's more it's a little bit more of a um, a knowing sense rather than a feeling sense so for some people they need to just pay attention to what their gut is drawing them towards uh what their intuitive hunch is calling them towards and then finally compassion you know a feeling of 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 love or you might also call it peace will also be an indicator of people places and things that are activating our essence. So really the trick is pay attention to how you feel when you're in your essence or when you're connected to your true self and then whenever those same markers show up again you got a clue. Right, right. And you know that what that what you're saying is look inside, pay attention to what's going on inside of you and we're so trained to be thinking about what's going on outside of us that that it's it seems for so many of us to be very difficult for us to just go I'm going to pause for a minute and I'm going to reflect inward and see what's really going on there. So in the busy routinized day that we most of us live, um it's hard for us to recognize when we're feeling energized. Yes, so I think you you've highlighted something that again is um a critical piece in this this journey you know it, it which is that if we don't take the time to listen if we don't cultivate conscious regular awareness and personal inventory well then you're absolutely right we're going to just miss it you know we're quite literally not going to sense or see all the signs and signals that we're constantly being given and surrounded by so i encourage people to have three things in their life one is a weekly practice of slowing down for probably a period of a, at least an hour, you know, at least once a week. So maybe that's a long walk, maybe it's a long meditation class, yoga, church, 
um, journaling, painting, but something that really slows you down so you can hear the cues that are coming from inside. The second is to have some sort of a daily practice so that on a daily basis, whether it's five minutes or ten minutes, and I wouldn't make it too ambitious if, if you don't have time, a daily basis where you can just slow down, evaluate your day, notice how you're feeling, just pay attention. And then, of course, a moment-to-moment capacity, whether it's using breath or an affirmation or just a, a conscious uh, commitment to step back in difficult moments or stressful moments just to evaluate how you're feeling. You know, we have uh, sometimes we make it sound more complicated than it is, um, it's just about checking in with yourself. It's just about slowing down. Mm-hmm. And that slowing down process is, is one that we tend to resist. But, uh, yeah, you've given some really good steps to really facilitate that. I agree so much that we, if we set aside time for that and are deliberate about that, um, what happens is that we begin to tune in more naturally when during the routinized week that we just kind of know how to go there and we go there. Exactly. And, you know, it's so important that people realize that it takes practice. I mean, that's why a spiritual practice, to me, is called a spiritual practice, because the more we practice it, the more we do it, precisely what you said, the more naturally it shows up when we need it. And that's a really important thing that I like to stress, because a lot of people who are, you know, passionate about personal growth and healing, you know, can be voracious uh, consumers of all kinds of good tips and information and knowledge, but then they struggle because they, they, uh, many cases, many people will simply wait to apply the tools and techniques that they're learning until they're in a difficult moment rather than rehearsing it. And what they forget is that, you know, if you think of anyone who's excellent at anything, a musician, an athlete, uh, a theater performer, they spend most of their time off stage, off court, uh, practicing and refining their, their talent or their art so that when times are tough, when they're in front of an audience of a million people, the behaviors that they need come naturally and easily. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a real good example. So you mentioned earlier the wall of wounding as we were talking about the sort of different layers in the map. Um, and I wanted, the reason I want to bring that up again is because I want to talk just a little bit about how that impacts us in terms of reactivity. And when you say reactivity, you mean later the, the, the connection to that feeling again? Is that yeah, so, so when it comes up, you mentioned a little while ago, a feeling might come up. Yeah. Well, how, how do, what is that, what's happening when that comes up? And then what, what, how can we sort of get the two different aspects of the essential self and that sort of talking or dialoguing in some kind of way? Well, I guess um, there's two basic ways that we could talk about it today. The first is, you know, from a more psychological perspective. So from a psychological perspective, the basic belief or understanding is that when we have a strong emotional experience in the past, like a pain, that that's recorded in the brain and the body and that there's, there's essentially a memory. And just like any memory, if we can call it vividly enough, the body will often respond, well, typically responds as if it were happening again. So 
so you can lay in bed at night, and if you are rehearsing a conversation, frustrating conversation you had with someone earlier in the day, you can pretty easily get frustrated again. Mm-hmm. And if you're rehearsing your tennis swing or your golf swing, you know, you'll find your body twitching and wanting to actually engage that movement. So when we encounter situations in our life, consciously or unconsciously, that trigger an old emotional memory, the way someone says something, the way someone looks, the way someone um, speaks. I mean, it could be so many subtle things that takes you right back on an unconscious level to when you're humiliated in a math class, when your parents divorced, when your dog died. I mean, any number of these emotionally charged situations can suddenly come flooding back in, which you might call reactivation. The problem is if we don't have self-awareness in the sense that we neither cultivate the present moment awareness of what we're feeling nor the life awareness of what our history is full of, we'll often mistake those emotions for being about the situation we're in. Mm -hmm. So then we say, you made me mad. You made me sad. This makes me um, angry or depressed or whatever it is. When in fact, there's there's a history. There's a history to it. The only other thing that I would add, though, is that um, another way to look at what this reactivation is has to do with energy. And I believe that not only does the, do these emotional memories live in our brains and to some degree in our body chemistry, but also in our energy bodies, that there is an actual energy, you might think of it as a pattern or a cycle, that resides in the body and waits to be felt and expressed. In other words, it's just going to cycle and cycle and cycle and cycle, essentially like a shell cutting us off from our essence until we can say, oh, wow, I've got a current of energy inside me that wants expression. I, you know, I think of emotions as energy motion. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you here because we're going to need to take a break, but I want to talk about how that emotion as energy works in the next segment so we're going to take a break right now we'll be back in just a few minutes with more from Jonathan Ellerby on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. This holiday season, share the joy of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where consciousness research is helping people lead healthier, happier, and more productive lives. Visit www.noetic.org to discover how to navigate a world transforming. IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, provides audio, video, research, articles, and blogs with leading thinkers to help you on your journey. Go to noetic.org. That's N-O-E-T-I-C.org today. Hi, I'm David Cordani with Cigna. We've been working with the March of Dimes for Stronger, Healthier Babies for 16 years. Did you know, in America, one in eight babies is born too soon? Those who survive the early birth can suffer serious and sometimes lifelong health problems. Some babies never come home at all. Help bring more babies home healthy. Join me and the March of Dimes in fighting premature birth. Go to marchofdimes.com. 
creating the life you desire is all about what the past, your thoughts and beliefs can manifest in your future. Host Deborah Crossman will have you call in for a live reading regarding a loved one or experience from your past or a future prediction to give you the insight and focus that you need. She'll also teach you to use the law of attraction to help bring the things you want while keeping it from bringing the things you don't want. Tune in to Creating the Life You Desire with Deborah Crossman, Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on 7th Wave Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And you know, in the last segment, we were talking to Jonathan Ellerby about his book, Inspiration Deficit Disorder, and uh, you were describing, Jonathan, uh, how it is that our, the energy body is impacted by the, the the wall of wounding and how we sort of recycle and cycle through these things. Cause, uh, and emotions in particular were considered to be energy. So can you say some more about that? Yeah, you know, uh, just before we went to the break, I was saying that when I see the word emotion, I think of that E as standing for the word energy. It's energy motion. There's an energy that's moving in the body that wants expression. Now, the two pieces that I think are helpful is, one, it, I think, diffuses the complexity of dealing with emotions and shifts the focus to just dealing with energy, which is really a more neutral topic. You know, a lot of people struggle with um, their feelings. You know, they, they feel okay with uh, happy, they feel okay with sad, but they don't feel okay with angry. Or they feel okay with angry, and they feel okay with happy, but they don't like sad. You know, we all have these weird stories that we've uh, uh, inherited over the years around which emotions we like and which emotions we're comfortable with. And yet, if we can just say, hey, it's all energy, and it just wants to move, then that means that it's going to help to talk about it a bit. It's going to help to recognize it a bit. And it's going to help to feel it, you know. So we can um, move it into the verbal, move it into the conscious, move it into the the actual felt sense. Like be with your, you know, people will say be with your anger, be with your sadness. That just means when you're feeling sad, feel sad. Don't change the channel, change the topic, run from it. Just see what those feelings are about. It's just an energy that wants to move through which is really why the mind-body techniques 
um, from energy healing like therapeutic touch and healing touch to Tai Chi, Qigong, yoga, and so on, it's really why they can make a difference when it comes to healing emotional um, wounds and history. It's not just about calming the mind and managing stress. Yeah, so what, so when you're talking about the energy aspect of it, what you're saying is that, and you've said it neutral, it is a neutral energy, it's not evaluative, it, um, it's not something we can evaluate as bad or good, but it is it is something that can move, it can shift just like energy does. And and when it comes to emotions, it is it, as as we express it, as we become conscious of it, and as we sit with it, it sort of moves. And maybe it can even be informative. Maybe it can give us information about what it's trying to tell us. Oh, a- absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think that in our culture, we've we've just you know uh, maybe accidentally to be nice have just uh, shifted our focus where we almost compulsively share our thoughts and explore our thoughts and focus on our thoughts to the point where some people, you know, can't even sleep or or carry on a conversation, you know, without censoring themselves. Um, but we've, we've really diminished uh, the meaning and power behind being with our emotions. And I, I believe it's because, you know, there there's so much uh, social uh, pressure and so many cultural stories that are are labeling our emotions as bad or dangerous or or um, somehow uh, contradictory to to the process of success and and of course that's absurd yeah yeah and i and I think that is uh so very important to be said again uh, and and can't reiterate that enough that it that we are we're in an ever-evolving process of consciousness expansion with the human potential movement. And so when things get brought up early in the movement, perhaps those need to be expanded for us to be able to include more awareness into that uh, idea. So the idea that, yes, we can be kept from our dreams by, by, um, by, by having a negative energy or negative thought go on is... Uh, one of those things that we may be transforming as we speak. Well, yes, and I think, you know, um, there's also a kind of, I guess, what I call realism or maturity, and, you know, I'd be interested to know if you agree or disagree, um, that eventually we have to face, which says that no matter how enlightened we become, if we choose to be on this earth in bodies with relationships and jobs, um, emotions are going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to keep having disappointment and anger and frustration. And as Aristotle said, you know, there's nothing wrong with anger. The question is, are you angry at the right time, in the right place, with the right person? You know, or, or is, this messy, is it this messy business of transferring and projecting? And, you know, and, and I, I think it's just a really important topic because in the human potential movement, you know, many people will wear their joy and their peace as a badge of honor, and yet eventually it becomes just another persona. Mm-hmm. I'm the happy one. I'm the peaceful one. I never get stressed out. And I, you know, and to me, um, I don't think that the fact that every now and then I experience some stress or every now and then I feel disappointment, I don't think it makes me a lesser person. It just means I'm still in a human body. Um, the real question is, what do you do with it? So I'd be careful about um, how we hold those emotions. 
Yes, and I do agree with that. I think that's very well said. You've, you've said that very well. I think I think that we are, you know, we do become identified with what we do so easily, and 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 that even in itself is a part of the human uh, uh, our, our humanity. So we we are in a process, and I, I think the process is one of discovery, not perfection. And and you know, as we as we go through these things, each time that I'm stressed, and I do get stressed. Each time that I'm stressed, if I can sit with it, if I can be conscious of it, if I can give it, as you said, give it back some energy, then I gain something from that experience. And if I, f- I feel like if I don't let myself have that experience by saying I'm going to deny that, that stress, then I'm not going to gain what, I, what, I, what it came to give me. Correct. And, and you lose the opportunity um, to navigate it, you know, which means uh, if it is an emotion that is, let's say, unnecessary, um, then how will you ever, as you say, learn its lesson Mm -hmm. and then have the wisdom to navigate it in the future? So it's interesting. When I used to do work in hospitals and I I worked with patients who would be dealing with chronic pain, um, the patients that were the most fearful of pain and the most resistant to pain and not wanting to admit or focus on their pain were typically the ones that felt it more. And the ones that could accept it or face it, I mean, didn't mean they liked it, but could accept it and face it and were willing to actually pay attention to it were the ones that seemed to manage it better and seemed to react to it less. So there's a, there's a great practicality to it. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. There is a great practicality to it. It is, it is a real part, a real part of our humanity to really bring that internal into focus and I, I think that is the distinction as you're talking about it is focus between what's external and what's internal we, we make a decision at various points in our day where we're going to put our focus yeah and uh, i think that's real important you know we talk you talk in the book about transforming from within and you talk about two different directions for change can you sort of clarify that for a little bit a little bit yeah absolutely so if you go back to picturing what we talked about at the beginning, this idea that there's layers to who we are, at the innermost core we have our connection to source or God, and at the outermost layer we have our, you know, our persona or the face we feel okay showing the world. Well, you can heal from the outside in, which means talking from the persona, about the persona, about the wounds and so on. And that can be very helpful. It's very important to to go into that sort of external place of talking about what happened and situations in our past and how it made us feel. And so that would be exploring the persona and the wounding. And typically we can do that with another person. And interestingly, healing from the outside in is usually something that someone else can be an expert on. So they could say to you, oh, well, when trauma happens, here's, here's the steps and stages. Oh, when grief happens, here's the steps and stages. Oh, tell me the age that this happened. Oh, here's the steps and stages. When you heal from the inside out, you are the only expert. Mm-hmm. Healing from the inside out means you don't have to wait till you remember everything that ever happened to you. You don't have to recreate it all or tell it all or write a book about it all. You can actually begin just by paying attention to what feeds you and what fuels you and invest in that now, which means your spare time, your hobbies, your passions. I mean, it's real simple stuff. 
almost sounds, you know, trite to say, well, it's as simple as getting a hobby or uh, taking a class. But, you know, at some level it really is that simple that we have to feed what gives us joy, what gives us a sense of peace and connection um, in order to have the resilience, the strength to face the other stuff. And in some cases, being with the truth of who we are just by feeding what we love and, you know, who we really are, you know, from the inside out, in some cases that that actually can be enough to create the radical shifts that we're looking for. Absolutely. Could not agree more. I think that is... That, and I think I do think that there are some people in the mental health field that are beginning to, they're calling it positive psychology, but it, 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 it's, there's people who are beginning to recognize that uh, that self-soothing, um, how we talk to ourselves, what we, how we nourish that inner essence is um, the healing itself. Absolutely. And, you know, I'll tell you a quick, funny, or interesting story. I guess it's not funny. My brother is a a forensic psychologist. He works with uh, violent offenders, um, maximum security prisons, and people who are being rehabilitated in the community. And what's interesting about my brother is a few things. One is he is internationally recognized for the results that he gets in his program, incredible transformations of these, you know, supposedly hardened um, lost causes. Mm-hmm. But when you actually look at his methodology, a big part of it is not just the psychotherapy and looking at the trauma in the childhood of these, these men. It's, it's quite simply feeding the goodness that's in them, mm-hmm. letting them be part of gardening programs, letting them be part of community outreach programs, letting them, uh, you know, in the halfway houses have a pet I mean, the simple, simple things that when we affirm that humanity, when we affirm that goodness in them, well, guess what? The goodness grows. And, uh, and from that place, they find the resilience, the hope to face whatever they're healing. Now, if it works in those settings, well, then, of course, it's going to work for other people who are facing difficult jobs, health challenges, difficult relationships. So never underestimate the importance of giving yourself permission to to feed what you love, you know, in yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. and I, Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I have my own theory that, you know, I'd be interested to see if you agree with this, that that whole idea of, of being the bad guy is also a mask and costume. It, it has nothing to do with who we truly are. It's something we did put on to survive. I, absolutely. You know, when I was, uh, I did a research project actually with his um uh, his office some years ago, and I remember being in a prison interviewing a young Native American man. He was 22 years old, and part of what I was researching was whether adding spirituality to treatment programs for people with anger and addiction issues, you know, was making a difference. And I'll never forget one of the things this, this young man said to me. He said, you know, until I met this Native elder, the healer that's in our program, he said, I never knew that a native man could grow up to be anything but a violent drunk. Wow. So let's, and, and so let's what he stop was saying right there is, for just one second. We're going to take a break okay, and come we'll, right back, and I want to hear the rest of this, okay? Yeah, of course. We'll be back in just a minute with more from Jonathan Ellery.
Be extraordinary. Seventh Wave Network. This holiday season, share the joy of the Institute of Noetic Sciences, where consciousness research is helping people lead healthier, happier, and more productive lives. Visit www.noetic.org to discover how to navigate a world transforming. IONS, the Institute of Noetic Sciences, provides audio, video, research, articles, and blogs with leading thinkers to help you on your journey. Go to noetic.org. That's N-O-E-T-I-C.org today. Do you know who you were born to be? Do you have a plan for this lifetime? Learn how to reach for joy with Dr. Deborah Ford. The Dr. Deborah Life of Joy show will help you find out how to become the person you were born to be and give you mental, physical, and spiritual tools that will allow you to expand your energy and choose a life of joy. Find your greatness and the gifts you have to offer the world and make a positive impact on your relationships, your community, and our world. The Dr. Deborah Life of Joy show airs live every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between, discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. The new home for visionary positive change. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back with our final segment with Jonathan Ellerby, and I had to interrupt him last segment to, again, I had to to do that, Jonathan, but we wanted to hear, really hear the whole story that you had to present there. So if you'll just go on there. Well, so we were talking about the story about this young Native American man who, who in my conversation with him uh, um, about his experience as a healing program had expressed that until, at 22 years of age, until he met this Native healer or elder, he, he didn't believe that a Native American man could grow up to be anything but a violent drunk. And really what he was sharing with me in that, sto- uh, in that experience was that he had a story about not just who he could be, but who he was supposed to be. I mean, he, he almost felt like it was inevitable, so there was no desire or even um, awareness that that could be altered. So he was just playing out a role that he had seen. And the minute he started to see a new role, well, of course, he started to emulate that, which, mm-hmm. which really brings us to one other point, which is a bit of a sidestep. But it's the, it's the idea that community and finding like-minded people and seekers is a very um, instrumental and essential element in this conversation because 
we can have all the good tips and we can read all the right books and we can even try to feed ourselves. But if the people around us are critical or judging or misunderstanding, very, very, very difficult to live up to that or I guess I'd say live through the face of that without having our wounds being triggered. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's so important. Yeah, and now you mentioned in the book, and I know we don't have a whole lot of time left, but I, I wanted uh, you talk about uh, 10 steps and 10 traps, and I know we don't have time for you to like disclose them all, but I, I wanted to just sort of get an idea, if you wouldn't mind, about that. And I also want you to spend just a minute, so maybe we should do this first, Spend just a minute telling our listeners how they can get in touch with you, how they can follow your work. Um, sure. Do you want me to do that right now? Yeah, let's do that first. I'm Great. Sorry. So um, my website is my name, jonathanellerby.com, and you can even spell it wrong, and you'll probably still find it if you just Google Jonathan, uh, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-L-E-R-B-E-L-L-E-R-B-Y.com. But you can also find me on Facebook, which is a really fun way that I'm interacting with, you know, my community of, of like-minded people. It's Jonathan Ellerby, Ph.D., and we have daily, you know, tips and postings about, you know, things that keep us on track, uh, spiritually connected and life in balance. Um, and, and, you know, I'm doing other stuff, Twitter and blogs and all those things. But, you know, if, if someone goes and finds me on Facebook or on my website, they'll, they'll probably learn everything they need to. And um, I, would, I would be honored to, to hear from people that are listening in and if they want to join in the Facebook conversation and ask questions or, or share insights, uh, it's really an open forum. Great, great. Thanks so much. So now back to the 10 steps and 10 traps that you disclose in the book. If you don't mind, just sort of giving us a real brief overview of that. Yes, well, the 10 steps and 10 traps are probably more than we could cover in the time we have. But, but what it is, you know, I'll give a few of the highlights and just describe it generally. <clears throat> it's basically a collection of the, of the 10 things that we find most people who are inspired, in balance, um, and feeling, you know, sort of motivated and, and spiritually connected, 10 things that we typically find them doing. And they're, they're things like spending time in nature, being of service in the community, um, ha- having meaningful pastimes, spiritual practice, and so on. Of course, in the book, I go into describing each of these things and how to cultivate them. Probably one of the most important ones is the first one, though, the first of the 10, which is to to have a very clear vision, a very clear picture of what it is you are moving towards. And certainly you've talked about this on a lot of your other shows, um, the notion of being very intentional, uh, the notion notion of creating uh, a clear picture and feeling of what you want to manifest. But I always caution people to uh, two things, which is one, to hold that vision with an open mind, which means uh, a willingness to be okay with whatever shows up, and then secondly, to also hold that with openness to, I guess I would say, ongoing evolution and input that may come from a mysterious place, uh, which is really about taking the time not only to revisit your vision every day, but to, to be in the stillness or the silence that allows you to sense the promptings of spirit that may want it to evolve or change. Now, there's also the list of the ten traps because what I've noticed over the years, um, after working with you know thousands of people in group settings and thousands of people one on one, 
<clears throat> despite how incredibly unique we all are, there are some pretty common patterns, um, you know, in the human experience. So I try to highlight the 10 most common things uh, that get people off track, um, you know, when they've got a, a plan for wellness or spiritual growth. And it includes everything from um, the influence of, um, you know, managing the influence of others to dealing with procrastination to how to break habits and so on. So um, I think the good news is that as, as complex as we all are, and as much as we need to embrace and explore that, we can also draw some benefit from our, um, I guess, our shared qualities and our universal qualities so that we can learn from the mistakes um, and, and the gifts and lessons of others. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and you know, I think it's so good that in your book you bring in the physical element of that, too. You've talked about um, nutrition and exercise as a part of the energy body, and I think that's so important because I think it's, it really does relate to uh, the body as a wise being and instead of just uh, something that, you know, through, the, through, through tradition down through the centuries we've thought of the body as something to be ignored or it's more or less the donkey we ride, but it's, right. not, really, uh, it's not really important. Well, you know, it, there's a paradox, you know, that I think you're pointing to, which is, on one hand, I do believe it's absolutely true that the, the true self, the spiritual essence, is, is beyond the physical, you know, and that many spiritual practices require that we overcome the physical or we modify the physical or deny the physical, and, and those things serve a purpose to a point. But when it comes to living an enlightened life, when it comes to living awake and aware, we cannot underestimate the power of the physical body and our everyday physiology to influence mood and perception. So no matter uh, how many times you've had a direct conversation with God or whether you talk to your ancestors or you've done past life regression or you can see you know, chakras and energy, you know, if you're not getting enough sleep and you're eating foods that are really compromising your system, it's going to be very, very hard to, to keep that focus, to keep those channels open. Um, quite simply, it's going to be hard to stay in a good mood. <laughs> so I encourage people, yeah, to have a, a clean, healthy diet, to get uh, regular exercise. Um, again, it's not about being perfect or some sort of a, a magazine image of, of health. But it, it absolutely means that we need to respect the physical vehicle that, that will carry us to our grave. Absolutely. And, I, you know, I want to add this, too, that the body can be a, a very interesting part of the intuitive aspect of our, of our um, makeup, that we can uh, actually get information from the body. I kind of think of it as a... a you know, it's like a cat or a dog. You walk in the room, and the first thing that happens is their little nostrils start going. You know, they're smelling what's in the room. And uh, it's kind of our, our our body can sort of give us that kind of information sensitively as a form of, of sensitive intuition, if you can put those two things together, um, that I think is very important. And so taking good care of our body also means listening to it when it's giving us information. Absolutely. In fact, I, I, I've come to really strongly feel that in our culture today, and by that I mean in the Western American sort of influence culture, um, the body is probably the m- one, well, I'll say probably the most important doorway uh, I'd like to see people exploring because we are such a, a mentally driven, 
emotionally reactive culture, um, you know, being with your body, in your body, um, offers us two really, well, three really powerful things. One, uh, the capacity to manage wellness, you know, through our physiology. Two, um, the capacity to connect with the present moment through the power of the body. Because remember, the body only lives in the present moment. You know, we, uh, we forget that if you just tune into what's going on in your body, that is one of the quickest ways to just be here now. And then three, as you said, um, once we have this deeper relationship with the body, we realize that it's actually registering energy all the time. And it's constantly and consistently telling us, essentially, what's in our best interest and highest good and what's not. A lot of the exercises that I do with people one-on-one in terms of uh, making important decisions or, or, or evaluating life change um, actually involves taking the concepts or pictures of the future that they're looking for and then focusing on how the body reacts to it. Wonderful. Well, Jonathan, I hate to end this talk today. I've really enjoyed talking with you, but we're about out of time. And uh, so thank you again so much for being a part of our show today. You've offered so much information to our listeners. I really encourage you to read his book, um, Inspiration Deficit Disorder. You're going to get a lot of great information there. And next week we're going to be talking to Dan Clark about life after religion. You don't want to miss that fascinating conversation. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.